0: up all these things to you and father we thank you that we have a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ and so um lord loved ones that that perhaps that we know that um that have passed on to you uh lord we're thankful for but we also know that there's grief and, and there's um, sadness that can come and so i pray for you to bring comfort to those who need comfort and for those I know that are in this fellowship that have loved ones, maybe parents that, that are sick and not doing well. I know Betty Spicka and her mother isn't doing well at all. And we just lift her up to you and just be with Betty and um, just minister to her. And, and Lord, there are others as well, uh, Father. Um, we just ask that you just um, bring that healing, bring that comfort that, that, Lord, that truly that you can give. And Father, I do pray for the marriages that are in this fellowship. And Lord, I know it can be difficult in the days in which we're living with the stresses that come and, and difficulties that come that can put stresses on marriages. But Lord, I pray that husbands and wives, that Lord, together will come and grow in You. And Lord, that they would cherish and love each other. And Lord, that they would look to You to strengthen their marriage and to bring any healing that needs to be done. Lord, I pray for those families that are dealing with difficulties and in. Uh, maybe friends that they care about or other family members that are dealing with with those issues of, of drugs and alcohol that have come in and poisoned the lives of so many that we care about. And Lord, I pray that, that you would, Lord, use those to be able to minister the truth of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, that you bring freedom and, and from the bondage of what those things do, alcohol and drugs and and and, Lord, that, um, that you would work. And, Lord, there, there are many. And, um, and, and so, Lord, you know who they are. And we just right now, in our own minds, lift them up by name. Those of us who we know that perhaps we work with, uh, families that, that we know at work or in our neighborhoods or in our own families that are experiencing those kinds of things. And we see the, the damage that it does and the fracturing of families. We see, Lord, the, the lies and the deceptions that come with it. And, Lord, just the bondage that Satan brings. And, Father, I do pray that you would just, um, just. we pray for loved ones who are sick. We do lift up Jean to you, and I pray that you bring healing to her. And, Lord, that uh, you just strengthen her this weekend as she ministers to the ladies at Calvary Chapel Aurora. And, Lord, for those who are here that have loved ones who are sick, Lord, that you would just bring healing and, and That you bring comfort, Lord, and that we would have a trust in you. And Father, I pray that you would minister and bless. Father, we do lift up our nation to you as we have an election. And Lord, we have many challenges that are ahead for our nation. Not only financially, but Lord, morally and spiritually. And Lord, I pray that um, there would be true revival that would break out in this nation. And Father, I pray that, um, that we as Christians, that we would be salt and light. We wouldn't lose our, our flavor, that we wouldn't hide our light under the bed. But Lord, that, that we would be ones, that we would be ambassadors of Christ to others. And Lord, we would have an effect on this nation. And Lord, that our nation would realize that we need you. We desperately need you because we know that there are forces out there who desire to come against, um, Lord, this nation and against us. And, Father, there's so many dangers out there in the world. But, Lord, I pray that we would remember that we can trust in you, that you have a plan, and you set those in authority. And, Lord, we look to you, but, Lord, we also want to be used of you as well. Lord, we look at this, and we, we also have been praying, and people even gathering here week after week, praying for the personhood amendment. That Lord, we know that life is precious to you. And that, Lord, your word very clearly says that you formed us in the the womb, that you knew our inward parts were wonderfully made, as David would write in the Psalms. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be a people that would recognize that and recognize the sanctity of life and, Lord, the importance of life. And so, Lord, I pray that the measure would be used not just to to add uh, to the laws and to to the Constitution, but, Lord, it would cause people to think that You are the author of life. And Lord, that You are the one that um, Your Word is true and that would cause people to look to You and to Your Word and to Your truth more than anything, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that tonight again as we come and study Your Word, that you would bless this time in the study, Lord, that we would just take in and make simple application of the things that will help us to know you more and grow um, us in our love for you and knowledge of you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In chapter 5 of Leviticus, we read, If a person sins in uh, hearing the utterance of an oath and is a witness, whether he is seen or known of the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears guilt. Or if a person touches any unclean thing, whether it is the carcass of an unclean beast or the carcass of unclean livestock or the carcass of unclean creepy things, and he is unaware of it and also uh, shall be unclean and guilty. Or if he touches human uncleanness, whatever uncleanness of which a man may be defiled, and he is unaware of it when he realizes, then he shall be guilty. And so as we move into chapter 5 of Leviticus, the first five chapters are looking at those sacrifices, those offerings that the priests are going to be performing. The tabernacle has been set up there at the base of Mount Sinai. We know that the priestly garments have been made, and so they're all ready to go. And so now the priests are receiving instructions on how God is going to provide for there to be sacrifice for sin and for trespass, but also the free will offerings that would be given as well. And so as we look at these sacrifices, we know that first of all, that they speak of Jesus Christ, but second of all, that we can make application for our own lives as well because Paul the Apostle, of course, would say in Romans chapter 12 that we are to be a living sacrifice by the mercies of God. In other words, we know that we've received God's grace and mercy in our lives because Jesus Christ became the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me, hasn't he? And I pray that each and every day um, that, that that would never lose its meaning to our hearts. How much Price Jesus paid and God given his son for for your sin and for my sin. And so these sacrifices, particularly as we saw in chapter 4, the sin sacrifice and now this is a, in addition to the sin sacrifice the trespass offering or sacrifice that would be given and and it was a picture as that animal was killed as they would put their hands on the head of that animal and they would pray and then transference would take place so your sins would be put upon that animal that animal became a substitution of course it's a picture of Jesus Christ and points to how Jesus Christ according to the book of Hebrews tells us that he was sacrificed once and for all for us as all of our sins were placed upon Him and then He became the substitute for you and for me. He died that you and I can live. But, of course, death didn't conquer Jesus. He would rise again after three days. And so we'll be seeing that more specifically as we continue in Matthew's Gospel, as we saw that it would be Peter that gave his confession there at Caesarea Philippi. You're the Christ of the Son of the living God. And then afterwards, it would be Jesus that begins to really specifically talk to his disciples about that he was going to be handed over to the religious leaders, he was going to die, and he was going to rise again. And they didn't quite understand that. But here's the thing, for 1,500 years, the Lord had been preparing them for that really preparing them through the sacrifices that pointed to the fact that Messiah was going to come and be a suffering Messiah. Psalms 22, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 52 speaking about his suffering as well, portions in there. But it talked about how the Christ was going to come and be a lamb that was led to the slaughter. And of course, Jesus became the ultimate sin sacrifice for you and for me as he went to Calvary's cross. And so the sin sacrifice, now a good question that was asked uh, by some of you is how often did they, they bring the sin sacrifice? I'm not sure. I have to do more research on that. If any of you guys have some insight on that, I'd love to hear that. But I don't know how often the sin sacrifice was given. Now in chapter 5 here, the trespass offering that was given was given for specific occasions as we see here. In if a person swears falsely, he's a false witness and so forth, that's when the trespass offering would be given. The sin offering, uh, I think, you know what? If I had to give an animal, a flock of an animal, and of course we saw the example of the sin offering for the priest, for a ruler, for the individual uh common people, or that is an individual of the children of Israel, and then also for the whole congregation, and I think, boy, you know i you know some of us would have to have a pretty good sized flock of animals you know for that, because you know what Jesus came along, and I think that the outward you know um, experience the outward sin and, and appearance became a focal thing but jesus came along and said listen you've heard it said of old that you shall not commit murder but if you're angry with your brother without a cause you committed murder if you have hatred towards him he was talking about the heart you've heard it said that if you committed adultery uh, you shall not commit adultery but if you lost that another then you're guilty of that So Jesus was really getting to the heart of the issue, and that is our hearts inwardly that we sin. And so um, here it, it really showed the picture, the seriousness of sin. As that animal would be killed and would be a substitute. For, for your sins and, and, and so uh, a very vivid picture that is here that we have seen and so here if you, if you give a false uh, as we see in verse 1 a false testimony uh, witness um, then you are to be one uh, that is to bring this trespass offering and of course we know that you and I that we are not to be bearing false witness against our neighbor I believe that is the number nine commandment of the ten commandments we are to speak truthfully about others and we are to give true witness not concerning others only but also concerning jesus christ right and of course we talked a little bit about that on sunday as it would be peter that would give that confession you're the christ the son of the living god you and i we give that confession to others as well make sure that when you talk to people about jesus that you're bearing true witness, a true witness of who he is, what he has done for us, his heart. I think that's so important. His heart towards us, his love towards us, what he has done for us. And so we want to be true witnesses as well uh, for Uh, the Lord and then also we see that um, concerning uncleanness uh, being uh, ceremonially unclean if you touch these things and uh, that we saw in verses 2 and 3 a carcass that is unclean a beast or uh, anything that may defile you you are to bring this trespass offering verse 4 if a person swears speaking thoughtlessly with his lips to do evil or to do good whether it is that a man may pronounce by an oath and he is unaware of it. When he realizes it, then he shall be guilty in any of these manners. So when it comes to swearing a false oath, and of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had some things to say about that. He said, for you and for me as a Christian, that we don't need to give these, these oaths. We don't need to, to be swearing uh, these things to the lord and notice here in verse four it says thoughtlessly and that can happen to us as christians we we may uh concerning good or bad or whatever but sometimes we can make these oaths that are unreasonable can't we we can say lord you know what i'm going to go to church every wednesday night all year i'm not going to miss a wednesday night or a single sunday or lord i'm going to read my bible every day for two hours and then all of a sudden we fail in that we we meant to do well we had good intentions but really, they were unrealistic uh, oaths that we give. The Lord says, you don't need to do that. Matter of fact, he says, for you and for me as a Christian, he says, when you speak, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. You don't need to speak any more than this. So I think there's good wisdom in that for you and I to practice when we give commitments to something. When we want to be committed to the Lord, we let our yes be yes, let our no be no. At that time, when I come along or somebody comes along and says, can you be committed to this thing? You say yes or you say no. Um, but, you know, be a person of your word. Be a man and woman of your word. Um, when you say that you're going to be there a certain time, when you say that you're going to be committed to uh, doing something, uh, we don't want a him and haw, do we? We don't want to say, well, if and, you know, if it works out, maybe perhaps I'll be there. Jesus said, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. And you know what, folks? It's okay to say no at times if you can't be committed to it. It's okay to say no. Know your limits. Know your boundaries. Know what you can do and what you can't do. But you don't have to, to, you know, swear and give oaths and and all of this and I'm going to do this and unrealistic knowing that you can't keep those commitments knowing that you can't keep those things. And so uh, here this trespass offering in case uh, the person who realizes that guilty in these manners was to bring bring that that sacrifice. And then uh, we read in verse 5, as we continue, and it shall be when he is guilty in any of these manners, he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. Notice here the word confess. Now, the word confess means to be in agreement with. And of course, I think that's that's an important principle for us to understand and realize that the Scripture says to confess your sins. And what that does is a couple things. Number one... When we realize that we've done something wrong, when we've sinned, which means missed the mark, trespass actually means there's a line and you cross over that line, that you confess it. What you're saying is, is that, Lord, I'm in agreement with you, how you feel about this, that this is wrong, that it is sin, that it's trespass, That is iniquity. I agree with you. I've done wrong. I've sinned against you. And you confess it. Confessing does not mean that you make excuses or that you try to explain it away or blame somebody else. It's very important. Because sometimes Christians, you know, I can talk to them and say, well, I know I messed up, but, you know, this. And if it wasn't for that, and it's their fault and all of this. But we're to be like that Pharisee They would, or not the Pharisee who came pridefully to the temple and prayed, but we were to be like that tax collector who came to the temple and would not even look up to heaven and smote his breast and said, Lord, forgive me, for I am a sinner. Jesus said, that man went away justified. In other words, he didn't make excuses or boast about himself or at least I'm not as bad as everybody else. But confession simply means that, Lord, I have done wrong and I have sinned against you. But second of all, what it does when we confess, it keeps Satan from just building this wall between you and the Lord, your 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 fellowship with him, your intimacy and closeness with him. Because if you continue in sin, if you continue to to have those thoughts and those attitudes that are wrong or those actions that you're doing, it's like, you know, Satan just loves to build that wall with those bricks, you know, to keep you from intimate fellowship with the Lord because you're continuing in that. You're not confessing it. You're not in agreement with it. You're you're making excuses or whatever it is. But when we come to the Lord and humbly confess our sin, that wall begins to be broken down. That that wall isn't going to go up. And then that closeness once again is restored. Don't you sense it when you confess? When you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, oh, forgive me. And it's just like, ah, isn't it? You know, the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. And then that, that wall of, that that can be built up that Satan just loves to do when, when people struggle. And, and I talk to people all the time when they're involved in sin. Pretty soon they, they get distance from the Lord. They're not praying. They're not in the Word. And Satan loves nothing better to do than to do that. So each and every day presenting our hearts to the Lord, saying, Lord, search me and try me. Try my heart, see if there be any wickedness, sin in my heart, that I can confess it. And Lord, just receive your grace and your mercy once again as they do that. And so verse 5, confess that he has sinned in that thing. And he shall bring his trespass offering, verse 6, to the Lord for his sin, which he has committed a female uh, from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats, as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. And then we read in verse 7: as he is not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord for his trespass, which he has committed to turtle doves or two young pigeons. One is a sin offering, the other is a burnt offering. And so again, the turtle dove, the uh, pigeons was for those who were extremely poor. And then there's going to be provision for those who are so poor they couldn't even get a a, a bird to bring. And it had to be a turtle dove or a pigeon that they would bring. And so he's making provision for anyone that can come with this trespass offering and then make atonement for their sin. And you know what? For you and for I, no matter how poor we are spiritually, that we might think that God's forgiveness is for everyone. And I am so thankful for that. And sometimes we can talk to people and say, you know what, I'm bankrupt spiritually. I'm so poor spiritually. I've sinned so badly. The Lord can never forgive me. And the Lord has made provision through Jesus Christ. And we see that picture here in chapter 5. Hey, bring an animal. You know, Bring a lamb. If you can't bring a lamb, bring a turtle dove. And if you can't do that, we're going to make it real easy for you that all you have to do is bring some fine flour for the sin offering. And we can tell people that, you know what? No matter what you have done, all manner of sin is forgiven. And if we, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, as the scripture says there in First John, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Good news for us tonight. And so verse 8, And he shall bring to them of the priest who shall offer that, which is for the sin offering first, and wring off its head from its neck, but shall not divide it completely. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar, and the rest of the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. And he shall offer the second as a burnt offering according to the prescribed manner, so the priest shall make atonement on his behalf for his Sin which he has committed, but it shall be forgiven him. In verse 11, if he's not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he who sins shall bring for his offering one tenth of an ephod of fine flour for a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it, nor shall he put uh, nor shall he put frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. In verse 12, he shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take his handful of it as a memorial portion and burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. It is a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin that he has committed in any of these matters, and it shall be forgiven him. The rest shall be the priest as a grain offering. And then offering that is made here as so we continue on for restitution, as we read in verse Fourteen. Then the Lord said to Moses, saying, If a person commits a trespass and sins unintentionally in regard to the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring to the Lord as his trespass offering a ram without blemish from the flocks, with your valuation in shekels of silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary as a trespass offering. And he shall make restitution for the harm that he has done in regard to the holy things, and shall add one-fifth to it and give it to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him, with the ram of the trespass offering it shall be, um, and it shall be, um, as, uh, be forgiven him. And so here the procedure of the guilt offering um, and um, if someone sinned in regard to the holy things that is uh, somehow um, you know, sin concerning the service of the tabernacle or uh, the things used in the tabernacle there was to be restitution that was to be made plus paying back 20%. So the restitution plus one-fifth that was to be given, and um, we could get into, you can get into uh, the certain, uh, you know, things, that unholy things that uh, were damaged or stolen or whatever it might be. Um, we can make all kinds of applications today for some who like to fleece the flock of God and take advantage of the things of God and the things that God has instituted that we are to use to minister to other people. But verse 17, if a person sins and commits any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandment of the Lord, though he does not know it, yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity. And he shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish from the flock with your valuation as a trespass offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him regarding his ignorance in which he erred and did not know it, and shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering, he has certainly trespassed against the Lord. So a guilt offering when a person didn't even know that they had sinned. When you realize that you have sinned, you confess it, and you learn from it. And that's what you and I are to do. When we realize that, Lord, that this attitude I've had in my heart, and that's why devotions and going to the Lord and presenting our hearts to the Lord is so important in, in our daily lives. That I don't know about you, but there have been times when the Lord has pressed upon me what you said, what you did is wrong, Jeff. And, and, and I can confess it and say, Lord, I realize I'm in agreement with you, and then learn from it. And then move on. Put it under the blood of Jesus and move on uh, with the Lord. And and, um, it's wonderful that we can do that as Christians. And then chapter 6, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying... If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or about a pledge, or about a robbery, or if he has extorted from his neighbor, or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it, and he swears falsely in any of these things, that if a man may do to which he sins, then he shall be because he has sinned and is guilty. That he shall restore what was stolen. And the things which was exhorted or what was delivered to him for safekeeping or the lost thing which he found. And verse 5, all that about which he has sworn falsely, he shall restore its full value and one fifth more to it and give to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord and ram without blemish from the flock with their valuation as a trespass offering to the priests. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord and he shall be forgiven for any one of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. And so we see here more instances again for performing the guilt offering. If a person is guilty of theft, of fraud, of extorting, a lying about concerning things. Now, back in those days they didn't have banks, they didn't have safety deposit box, they didn't have storage sheds that you can rent and you can lock up all your stuff. And so what would happen sometimes if you had something valuable, if your neighbor had you know, a house and had servants or something. Uh, sometimes you would say, "Hey neighbor, can you hold this for me and uh, keep it for me?" Or perhaps he would offer to do that. If that thing came up missing, then there wasn't a local police department you can call. But the thing is, it had to be worked out between the borrower and the, or you know the person who was watching it. There was responsibilities that were there, and so if you're watching something valuable for your neighbor, you had to be truthful. If that thing ended up being lost or stolen. You could not lie about it. Um, you had to show that um, that you didn't steal it. And so uh, we saw that in the book of Exodus and all of this. So if any of those things took place and you were guilty in some way of losing something or stealing something or lying about something that your neighbor gave to you, then you had to pay restitution and again plus one-fifth. And so the law given to that. And the thing is for you and for me as I, I read this, uh, again, an application that we know is be truthful in the manners uh, that you talk to people about. If something happens or what happens here, you know, to come out and be honest about those things, particularly when it comes to your spouse, particularly when it comes to family members at work. Be a man of integrity, a woman of integrity and honesty when you talk to other people. And then as we continue on here, this is kind of a, a specifics given to the priest is we see that these sacrifices are kind of a Handbook to the priest and how to perform the sacrifices, but also certain additional laws that are given concerning the burnt offering, the grain offering, uh, the, the, the trespass and sin offering, and the peace offering that we're going to look at very quickly in verses 8 through 13 the law of the burn offering remember what the burn offering was the burn offering was a free will offering that that animal was completely consumed chapter one of Leviticus on the altar and so it symbolized that worshiper that he was giving all to the Lord surrendering all to the Lord and so the Lord spoke to Moses saying command Aaron and his sons, saying this is the law of the burnt offering the burn offering shall be uh, on the earth upon the altar all night until morning and the fire of the altar shall Shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garments and his linen trousers. And he shall put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. And he shall take off his garment, put on the other garments. And carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. And a fire in the altar shall be kept burning on it and it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it and shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. And the fire shall always be burning on the altar it shall never go out. So concerning a burnt offering, uh, they would bring their offerings again. The offerings would be brought in the mornings and there would be in the evening the offerings. And the offerings in the evening, uh, you didn't call it a night. What you did was that animal was to burn all night long. And then the ashes the next day of uh, the burn offering was not to be gotten rid of, but were to be taken outside of the camp to a holy place. And that's where they were to be exp- uh, disposed of. And so I think about that. And remember the camp of the children of Israel. This is a large camp. This is two and a half million people. So that'd be a little bit of a hike because the tabernacle was in the middle of the camp. And so the priest would have that. But he was responsible to keep the fire burning all night long. It's kind of like when many of us went camping uh, over the summer. If you went camping for two or three days, sometimes you kind of keep that fire burning all night long. And then the next morning you get up and the hot embers are there and it's still burning. Well, that's what they were to do, not to let the fire go out on that altar where they did the sacrifices and the burnt offering. Now, how is it for you and for me? that we can keep a fire burning in our hearts. That will allow us and keep us to say, Lord, I give all of myself to You. Because I think that probably most of us, if not all of us, at one time in our lives... We prayed that. We said, Lord, I give all myself to You. And, and I hear it from people. You know, Lord, I surrender completely to You. Thank You, Lord. And, and that fire that's in their hearts. And, and then all of a sudden, that fire begins to go out a little bit. It begins to be cold. And pretty soon, the struggles come. And, and there isn't the warmth. And, and, and the distance feeling from the Lord. How do we keep in a place where that fire is burning in our hearts. And when I say, you know what, be on fire for the Lord. But pastor, I don't feel like I'm on fire for the Lord tonight. And those are true feelings that, that we can have as Christians. And the Lord still loves us and we still belong to the Lord. And we can stand on His Word and say, thank you, Lord. But I think a real key here is that the way to keep that warmth of the Lord in your heart day after day, day after day, after week after week, after month, after year, as you bring your sacrifice in the morning and in the evenings. You spend time with the Lord. And begin your day with Him. And that's why I stress that because that is what's going to give you longevity and drawing closer to the Lord and growing in your love for Him and the knowledge of the Lord and and desiring to serve Him and and feeling close to the Lord, your morning devotions and your evening devotions, coming to the Lord when you begin your day and saying, Lord, you know what I come to you, and I I just trust you today, and show me the things in your Word while I spend a few minutes in the Word, and then in the evening as you before you go to bed. It, you know just praying and ending your day with him or you know praying with your family with your kids whatever it might be and i tell you it goes a long ways i cannot stress enough the importance of devotions the importance of bringing yourself to the lord in the mornings and in the evenings when you can do it in that consistently constantly day after day week after week month after month year after year and you're going to sense that warmth in your heart as you do those things so that's how you keep the Lord burning in your heart. It's, it's something that uh, you just continually just be taking into the things of the Lord. Then the law of the grain offering. Remember what the grain offering was? The grain offering was a non-animal sacrifice, of course. And it was to give... Thanks for God's provision, that God, that you provided for us, and we are to to be thankful for that. And you and I, that we are to be thankful for the things that the Lord has provided for us. I mean, we can look at the spiritual blessings that God has provided for every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, as Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 1, right? that he saved us and he's forgiven us, he chose us, he adopted us, we have an inheritance in Christ, all these wonderful spiritual blessings that we have, but also as we live this life now, as we pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread and the things that we have, Lord, you provide for me and thank you. And I can trust that you're going to do that day by day. And I can be thankful for the bread that you have given me and the things that I have because every good gift comes from above. So the law of the grain offering, verses 14 through 23. This is the law of the grain offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it on the altar before the Lord. And he shall take from his handful the fine flour, the grain offering, with its oil and all the frankincense which is on the grain offering, and shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma as a memorial to the Lord. And as the remainder of it, Aaron and his son shall eat with unleavened bread, it shall be eaten in a holy place in the court of the tabernacle, meaning they shall eat it. And it shall not be baked with leaven, it shall be given as a portion of my offering made by fire. It is most holy like the sin offering and the trespass offering. And all the males among the children of Aaron may eat it. It shall be a statute forever in your generation concerning offerings made by fire to the Lord. Everyone who touches them must be holy. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is the offering of Aaron and his sons, which they shall offer to the Lord, beginning the day when he uh, is anointed, one-tenth of an ephod of fine flour, as a daily grain offering, half of it in the morning and half of it at night. And it shall be made in a pan with oil. When it is mixed, you shall bring it, it in that baked pieces of the grain offering he shall offer for a sweet aroma to the Lord. And the priest from among his sons who is anointed in his place shall offer it as a statue forever to the Lord. It shall be wholly burned. For every grain offering for the priest shall be wholly burned. It shall not be eaten. And so a portion of the grain offering belonged to the priests again in their families. But here we see in verses 20 through 23 a particular grain offering that is a, point, a part of the anointing and the consecration for the priest's that we're going to see in chapter uh, 8 of Leviticus. And we're going to make some pretty important application as we do that. So verse 24 through 30, this is a law of the sin offering that we looked at in chapter 4. And so the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, this is a law of the sin offering. And the place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. And the priests who offer it for sin shall eat it. In a holy place it shall be eaten in the courted tabernacle of meeting. Everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. And when its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in a holy place. But the earthen vessel in which it is boiled shall be broken. And if it is boiled in a bronze pot, it shall be both scoured and rinsed in water. And all the males among the priests may eat it. It is most holy." But no sin offering from which any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle meeting to make atonement in the holy place shall be eaten, it shall be burned in the fire. And so we see here um, that uh, any portion from the sin offering... um, made for a national atonement, uh, could not be eaten. Uh, It was to be burnt before the Lord. Only the portions from the sin offering on behalf of the individual, some of that portion would be held back and eaten. But then it talks about if the blood is stained on the garments of the priest, that it was to be washed because it it was seen as unholy, any stain. But the thing is, that, that you and I, we don't want anything stained in our life uh, that is unholy to the Lord. And then chapter 7, we're going to look at chapter 7, uh, 38 verses. Can we do it tonight? Well, let's just go for a few minutes, okay? The law of the trespass offering. Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering is most holy. In a place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall kill the trespass offering, and his blood he shall sprinkle all around the altar. And he shall offer from it its fat, the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails. Two kidneys of the fat that are on them by the flanks and fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as an offering made by fire to the Lord is a trespass offering. And every male among the priests may eat it. verse 6 and be eaten in a holy place its most holy. And the trespass offering is like the sin offering. There is one law for them both. The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it. And a priest who offers anyone's burnt offering, that priest shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering which he has offered. And also every grain offering that is baked in the oven, all that is prepared in a covered pan or in a pan, shall be the priest who offers it. Every grain offering, whether mixed with oil or dry, shall belong to all the sons of Aaron, to one much as the other. And so here more specific instructions given to the priest here to gild or trespass offering. uh, The portions, again, giving them more specific how it is to be shared among the priest and distributed equally. And then the peace offering, the law of the peace offering that is given in verses 11 through verse 21. And the peace offering again was that fellowship offering, wasn't it? The meal offering it is called sometimes because you would eat a portion of that and and a portion was given to God and then it, it symbolized that you were having a meal with the Lord and of course it symbolized closeness, fellowship with the Lord. And so this is the law, the sacrifice of the peace offering which he, he shall offer to the Lord. And he shall offer it for Thanksgiving. Then he shall offer with the sacrifice of Thanksgiving on 11 cakes Mixed with oil, and leaven wafers, anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. So here a, a, a fellowship offering, again a free will offering, offering thanksgiving as we see here in verse 12. And we should be thankful, shouldn't we? I hope that we're thankful, that we have fellowship with the Lord. Not just only relationship. The Lord didn't say, okay, I'm going to save you. You're my son, you're my daughter. Beat it. He says, I want to have fellowship with you. And I want to have closeness with you. And I hope that we're always thankful that we have that. That we have not only peace with God because of the sin offering, but we can have the peace of God. And, and we can have fellowship with God and closeness with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and have a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude because we are blessed. In verse 13, Besides the cake is his offering, he shall offer leavened bread, with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. And from it he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of the offering is a vow or voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offers the sacrifice. But on the next day the remainder of it may be eaten. The remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day must be burned with fire. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it, and the person who eats it shall bear guilt. The flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned with fire, and as for the clean flesh, all who are clean may eat of it. But the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering, verse 20 that belongs to the Lord while he is unclean, that person shall be cut off from his people. And moreover, the person who touches any unclean thing, such as human uncleanness or an unclean animal or any abominable unclean thing, who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. And so, here in the peace offering, the specifics that are given here that we see here that the meat from the peace offering had to be eaten in fellowship and meal within three days. And, and otherwise it would be considered unclean. Now back in those days, they didn't have refrigeration. We can eat meat, put it in a refrigerator, and we could keep it, you know, refrigerator for three or four days. But here a provision was made that you were to eat that meat, you were to do it. After three days, it's considered to be unclean. It, it would, the meat would be stale is what would happen as well. And one thing, if you don't want to have a stale closeness and fellowship, in relationship with the Lord. That's why it's important day by day just take of Him and eat of Him. But if you're only coming in closeness, again, we're talking about intimacy and closeness. That if it's like, Lord, I'll see you next week or I'll see you next month, then that closeness and that intimacy becomes stale, doesn't it? So again, taking of the Lord the bread of life, and coming to the living waters day by day. And that's why Jesus said, as you do that, you'll never thirst and you'll never hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they truly shall be filled. And so that'll keep you from a stale relationship. And then verse 22 through 27, the fat and blood may not be eaten. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, shall not eat any fat of ox or sheep or goat. And the fat of an animal that dies naturally or fat of what is torn by wild beasts, may be used in any other way, but you shall by no means eat it. For whoever eats of the fat of the animal, or which men offer an offering, may by fire to the Lord perform. Who eats it shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall not eat any blood or any of your dwellings, whether of bird or beast. And whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. And so. The blood and the fat were not to be eaten. uh, The blood was the life of the person. They were not to eat of the blood. And the fat uh, was not to be eaten as well. And then again, as we just finished quickly here, the portion that was to be given to Aaron and his sons. And that was a provision for them because they didn't have animals. They didn't have an inheritance. And so the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, He who offers a sacrifice of his peace offering to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offering. His own hand shall bring the offerings made by fire to the Lord. The fat with the breast he shall bring, and the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. And the priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be Aaron's and his son's. And also the right thigh he shall give to the priest as a heave offering from the sacrifices as your peace offering. He among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offering, the fat, shall have the right thigh for his part. For the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering I have taken from the children of Israel from the sacrifices of the peace offering I have given them to Aaron the priest and to his sons from the children of Israel by statute forever. Matter of fact, the wave offering, when they would wave it before the Lord, there are many rabbinical scholars that believe they would wave it up and down and then sideways, which makes what? A cross, doesn't it? You see the cross and the picture of Jesus and all of this as we go through it. Verse 35, and he consecrated a portion of Aaron and his sons to the offering made by fire to the Lord. On a day when Moses presented them to minister to the Lord as priests, the Lord commanded this to be given to them by the children of Israel. On a day he anointed them by a statue forever throughout their generations. And this is the law, the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecrations, the sacrifice of the peace offerings, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day when he commanded the children of Israel to offer their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. So that is the specifics on the offerings and the sacrificial system. So you guys are now experts on the sacrificial system, but aren't you glad that you live on this side of the cross? I know that I am. But I just want to close with this, and then we're going to close in prayer, and we're going to finish up the service here tonight. I know you guys have been uh, very, very attentive and, and patient as we've gone through this. The next few chapters are going to be very, very rich when it comes to you and to me making an application and how we can minister to the Lord and live for the Lord in a very rich way, some very powerful lessons. But I want to show you something. Again, Jesus, he's the one that that is the fulfillment of these sacrifices. Leviticus chapter 1, he's the fulfillment of the burnt offering. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 says that Christ also loved us and gave himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God. For a sweet smelling aromas. In other words, he gave himself all of himself to us freely, symbolizing the burnt offering. He fulfilled the grain and the first fruits offering. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, speaking about how Christ is risen from the dead. Now he's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And you see, that's why that when I can give a message on Friday at a memorial service, that I can give a message of hope. That Gary is with the Lord. And that Gary, whose body was ravaged with sickness and cancer, and that there is the hope of the resurrection. The resurrection is not just talking about eternal life with the Lord. It is that. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But one day, new heavenly bodies we're going to get. Because Jesus Christ was the first fruits of the dead. In other words, He rose from the grave. And, and because He rose from the grave, we have the hope of the resurrection. So so there, the, the first fruits offering, again, which was the subcategory of the grain offering, Jesus fulfilled the peace offering because, uh, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And so we have peace with God. We have fellowship with the Father relationship with the Father, reconciliation with Him because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And of course, He is the fulfillment of the sin offering, the ultimate sin offering for you and for me. And He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And then He fulfilled the guilt offering here as He who delivered was delivered up, Jesus, because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. He's the fulfillment of all those. He's the burnt offering. He, he's the peace offering. He's the grain offering. Fulfillment of all those, the peace and trespass offering. Our Lord, who's provided for us in such a wonderful way. And so, Father, we thank you that we see a picture of Jesus, the fulfillment, application that we can make once again, even in a book that can be so largely ignored. And we look at all these specifics, but, Lord, that we can make, Lord, these wonderful things uh, applicable in our own lives. And Father, as we get ready to go home here, um, Father, I just pray that you would help us to go home. And Lord, that the fires would be burning in our hearts for you. As we just take you home with us in our day with you, just as we've done today, but each and every day. Begin our day with you. Lord, that you would be burning in our hearts. a desire to be close to you. To have intimacy. Lord, that we would desire to fellowship with You because we know that You desire to fellowship with us and to hear from You. Lord, that we would be once a free will offering of a burnt offering, just saying, Lord, I surrender completely to You. Father, once again, I just ask that You would help us to trust in You. Lord, to just continue to learn of You, to be comforted by You. I pray that You would just bless everyone as we go our way. And as Lord, we continue through the week and gather here again, Lord, that we would just rejoice in the fact that we belong to you. That, Lord, that we come in, each of us, with Christ in our hearts. And, Lord, that we would know that we truly we have been blessed and never lose that, that, that heart of gratitude and thankfulness. Father, bring comfort to those again who need it and provision. Lord, I just pray that again that you take us home safely. Bless our week. May we be salt and light as we've been praying. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.